0: blessings to you today it's good to be with you today it's good to be part of the kingdom of god and what god is doing in the earth today and uh, last week i shared it on sonship and this week i want to carry on with that subject i just changed the title a little bit to sonship kingdom sonship in other words sons that live under the kingdom rule and reign of of christ um The number one point is that it's God's eternal plan for every believer. The spirit of sonship is actually God in action. In other words, sonship means that I am related to God, who is the God of action, and I'm part of his action, and he's acting upon me, and I am fulfilling what he is actually saying to me or what his word says. it's our heart's desire to see each of God's children live the life that the Father has designed and planned and inaugurated for all of us. That's our desire. I just want to read again uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 4. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about heirship today, but this is what the scripture says. Now I say that the Father, as the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave. Some have the word servant in there, but it should be a slave, though he be Lord of all. He under tutors and governors until the appointed uh, time of the father. So we see that there's, there's an appointment time. Even so, we, when we were children, infants, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. For what? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, or the placement into sonship. Um, just share a couple things with my own life as a child. When I was an infant, uh, there wasn't much expected from me. My mom and dad just tolerated us, lived with us, loved us, uh, you know, bought Christmas gifts, clothes, and all the stuff that we needed. But there came a time when I made a mistake. I desired to milk a cow. And so my dad gives my oldest brother the authority to teach me how to milk the cow. So consequently, I learned how to milk the cow. That was a time that my father allotted for me to walk into that, into that experience as a son. Another one that I remember very distinctly, and this was, uh, this was kind of a grueling one, uh, my dad would do harvesting. And he had a combine, and some fields were like 80 acres big, they're large fields. And the combine didn't have a big enough hopper to make it all the way around and back to the truck so he could dump the hopper and make another round. So my dad decided to take these, what we called, bathtubs, they were were galvanized tubs, and he put them on top of the combine. And I, wrote an, I was assigned to right on top of the combine and bucket the grain out of the hopper into these bathtubs so that he could make the round. Uh, I wasn't asked to do that when I was five. But I came to an age where my dad thought, you know, you could do this. And so just out of obedience, you just do it. And uh, we would harvest on late into the night, and it's dark, and you know, Dust is flying around, you know, you come in the house and you're tired, your hair is full of dust, your ears are full of dust, your clothes are full of dust. And I don't remember bathing, I just went to bed. And so there's some things that I remember from my childhood about when my dad thought I was of age to be set into this kind of responsibility, then he just did it and I responded and I did it. So that's kind of the natural part of life. Um, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, I'd like to read that. He says, Who gave us, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of the Father. That's a powerful verse, and it introduces some of the aspects of the book. And this particular verse it, it shows how Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from out of the evil world according to the will of the Father. So the redemption that Jesus paid for and provided was all to do with according to the will of the Father because he was fulfilling his sonship. He was fulfilling the will of the Father. So we experience the will of the Father in salvation and being delivered out of this world. Let me explain to you, according to, to um, an author, what the world actually means. This is by trench. All that is floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculation hopes impulses aims aspirations at any time uh, current in the world which it may be possible to seize and accurately define it is impossible to seize and actually define but which constitutes a most real and effective power being the moral or immoral atmosphere which at every moment of our lives we live in. That is the cosmos that we have been delivered from. When we say we're taken out of the powers of darkness and put into the kingdom, that's the environment of the cosmos. That's the world we live in. Every day we live as sons in this world that has this atmosphere, opinions and thoughts and all. And you see how it all lives out and works out. The one thing that I've discovered in studying this subject that is this. We are not part of this world anymore. We have been delivered out of the cosmos. Jesus says, fear not, I have overcome the cosmos. He overcame all the evil things of opinions or thoughts or actions or attitudes. He overcame them all. And that gave us the ability to be delivered completely out of that realm because he defeated all of them and that's where we live our sonship in we live our sonship like jesus said they're in this world in john 17 but they're not of this world we are not of this world we are of the kingdom of god we are people who are birthed into the environment of the kingdom Uh, Woos says it is a particular phrase of human society, phase of human society, that one which our Lord found existing when he came the first time. He came into a dark world, which he will still find existing when he comes the second time, and which he will displace by a new order of things to come. So that's kind of the whole concept of the cosmos or the deliverance. We have a progress of deliverance here. Did you realize that a promise to a son has a beginning and it has an end? You don't necessarily receive the whole promise at the beginning. You don't accept necessarily see the whole assignment from the giving. You might be given a word or two, but you enter into that. And as you walk in it, you fulfill the will of God. Like Abraham, he was given a promise. He didn't receive it right away. And so sometimes these things are delayed. But nevertheless, by faith, we continue on in the promise until we actually see the results. That's kind of like the, the practical part of faith, the enduring. I'm going to give you, uh, let's see, five points. And then I'm going to give you eight after that one. So, number one, sonship is not a gender word. It's a placement word. It's a position word. In other words, when my dad told me to ride the combine, that was my position. That was my responsibility. God's mandate of sonship is his plan for every believer's future. We are all designed to walk in sonship in all of the lives of our future we're designed for that we are saved to that we are brought into that jesus talks to his father's he talks his father's language sonship is to talk jesus as a son talked his father's language so there's a language by which we, we speak as sons. There's a language that has been given. Uh, he said what his father had to say in every situation. He said what his father had to say in every situation. So when we come to situations in life or we're helping someone else, we must be those who are sons and say, well, what does the father have to say about this? What would the words say about this? What would Jesus say about this? So so we're not open to just our own opinion and philosophy, but a son speaks the words of the father. When the father's language becomes our language, then our language speaks and reveals our future. I'm going to read that one again. When the father's language becomes our language, then our language speaks and reveals our future. So when we see what he said, actually what we're looking at is our future. Whether it be present momentarily or whether it be something expecting or whether it be something at the second coming, it's all future, it's our future. His language is our future. His language is our mandate. Number two, Sonship is the Father's eternal purpose brought into reality on earth through the cross. In other words, as sons of God, we walk and believe for the fulfillment of the complete work of the cross in our personal lives and for those who we would share our life with. It's it's an eternal purpose, meaning this. If I walk... In his purposes, according to the word, I am walking in that that will always succeed, never fail, and always never change. It will always be the same. Um, From the Father's eternal state, he foresaw what he spoke into existence. That's very important because this is what the Bible says god who gave him our son gave his son who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from ev- from the evil world so god didn't see us continuing in the evil world but he saw us continuing in his kingdom sonship is being t- taken out of this world and put into his rulership, his dominion, his power in our thought life, our relationship life, our commitment life, all those things become part of who we are and actually what we function in. Number three, your your birth into sonship positions you to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. According to the law, a slave is, no, is one bound to service outside of relationship. It's just a duty. There's no inheritance. There's no freedom. You're just a slave to somebody else's ideas and, and demands. A slave is never based on family relations, has no place of rights, heirship, inheritance, and no freedom of choice. You see, when when we came to Christ, we had a a freedom of choice. We We were brought into freedom of choice. Just like Adam and Eve, they were birthed, they were created by God with freedom of choice. That's to be in his likeness. So sonship, we walk in his likeness. He has, ha, has no place or rights. A slave has no place or rights or heirship. They don't inherit a thing. They just live and serve forever, die, and that's it. They have nothing left to leave somebody else. Jesus had an inheritance, and he made us part of his inheritance. We are joint heirs with him. A slave doesn't have that privilege. We have the privilege as sons to be joint heirs with him. That means this is is the birth into sonship position, which means I'm in the position of receiving, along with another, an inheritance together. In other words, we are joint heirs with him. As I walk with him, I become part and experience and live in his inheritance that he has and he shares with me. I am a joint. You are a joint heir with him. We participate together with him. A joint heir is a Christian position of expectation based on their relationship with Christ. Let me put that in some different way of thinking. In other words, what is the basis of my husband-wife relationship? What, what is it based on? Is it based on my culture, her culture? Is it based on my ideas, her ideas? Like we are joint heirs as Christians. What's our position of expectation? What is it based on? I have to have a basis by which I can stand as a son and relate to my wife or my family or my friends or to the world. I have a position of expectation. And it's his expectation that I have to carry out as a son to be part of the inheritance. It's amazing how God has designed us. Fundamentally speaking, a fellow heir with A joint heir, a fellow receiver, is important. It's meaningful. It's credible with regards to our legal rights and duties in the kingdom of God. We have have a legal right of inheritance. When my dad passed away, he gave us a legal right. His will gave us a legal right to inherit what he had. So we have sonship and joint heir is a legal position of inheritance. It's amazing. The ruling of heaven is not procedurally flawed. The, procedure, the procedures out of heaven are not flawed. We live in a kingdom and we have a an heritage and we live with the king. This is not a flawed life. This is a true life. This means everything is always right according to him, not me. That becomes sonship. So to fulfill the will of God is actually to see what he has given us. Number four, the Son of God. The sons of God lived their divine life in faith of the words and the life modeled by Jesus. So, for instance, let me say some some of the things I've learned earlier. How did Jesus relate to people who were setting him up? How did he relate with people who rejected him? How did he relate with people who actually needed him? How did he relate with people who actually had an expectation from him? See, sons of God lived their divine life in faith according to the word and life modeled by Jesus. That's, that becomes such a vast uh, world of practicality. There's a lot of practical things in there. I don't have time to go into all of them. But this one practical thing we do know. We read the word. We read how he dealt with things. We read how he said things. We read, and he's our model. So he is actually our instructions. He is our instructor. We are under his tutorship. We are under him. We're joint heirs with him. We We participate with him. This is, this is how he had the disciples participate with him. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to preach the kingdom. He didn't ask them, what do you think you should preach? He told them what to preach. And so they went out and they preached the rule and reign of Jesus. In other words, when they met people where they were, they told them what Jesus could do for them. He gave them an assignment that, he, that the, he was joined with, and they were joined with him. They were joint heirs together to walk and fulfill the will of God. Then he said to them, heal the sick. Preach, heal, deliver, cast out, and cleanse. Five things that he gave an assignment to his disciples. And because he gave the instruction... He made them join him in what the Father was doing on earth. We become joint heirs in the fulfillment of the mandate of the Father on earth. Praise God. The last one, number five. Sonship is the result of the seed that was planted. Identity, sonship has an identity. And often we as Christians have identity problems. We don't know. We're trying to figure out who we are, what we're like, what we should be like, and all that stuff. But Jesus talked about, except the grain of corn fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. This was, he was talking about his death. So he's talking about Sonship being birthed into and like the seed that was already planted. So he's bringing many sons unto glory. That means, like this when I get saved, I and you are like him. When you plant a corn or grain, guess what comes up? A corn comes up. Multiple corns come up. They're all alike. So sonship is being birthed into his likeness. It's being birthed into his identity. So his identity becomes our identity. It's my identity. He is my identity. And the practice of that is this. I don't try to have to try to figure out who I am, what I should do, or what I should say. He is all that to me. The nature, let me speak about the nature of the sons of God. The nature of the sons of God are according to the Word. 1 Peter 1, verse 23, says, For you have been born again not of seed that is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding Word of God. That's the nature of the Son. That's our nature. We are born of, a, of an incorruptible seed. It's imperishable. That's why it's called eternal life. See, for us the well, am I saved? Am I really eternally saved? Well, according to Peter, you've been birthed into it. We've all been birthed into this imperishable, eternal life. Romans 8, verse 15 says, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of placement as sons by which we cry Abba, Father. That's the nature of sonship. Another one is this. As in Romans it says, as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Oh, wow, that's a huge one. I'd, I'd love to spend about five Sundays on that one because there's a lot in that verse about sonship. Being led of the Spirit is walking in our sonship under the authority and power of Almighty God. And the reason why it all works is simply because we have been redeemed and in, out of darkness and into sonship. He did it for us. It's a free gift. It's what he has given us. You don't earn it. You receive it and walk in it. Don't try to figure it out. Believe it. Because we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we can figure out. If you can do that, you need no faith. All we need to do is follow him as many as are led by the spirit that they are the sons of God. This is the nature of a son. The nature of a son is I will follow. Well, what are you following? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Father said he would lead us. The Father said he would show us things to come. The Father said he would abide with us. The Father said he would always be with us. Wow. I mean, God's design for for, for sonship is amazing it, the magnitude of it is just amazing it's it's hard to just put it all in i mean i don't know how many pages i got and that's still not finished but there's a lot to this but the simplicity of it is this what does the scripture say about the humus of god the joint heirs of god we're not here living on our own we're not here to exercise what we think is right. No, we're here to exercise what he said, to expect what he said, to do what he said. So to me, sonship is obedience. It's, it's, I'm placing myself, for instance, in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus do? He cried out, Abba, Father. He cried that out. That's the cry of someone who is walking in sonship. I need your help. I need you. I need, at this time in my life, I need you to help me walk through what I'm going through right now. That's what he was saying. I need you. So what happened was, is he had somehow in his humanity, he wished this cup could pass from him, but he immediately submitted to the will of the Father. That's sonship. Submitting to the will of the Father. So when things are going tough and hard, who do I submit to? I submit to my Father. Because in Jesus submitting to the will of the Father, the Father gave him the divine ability to hang on that cross for us. So we have the Father of heaven willing to pour out his strength and divine ability upon us so that we could carry out even the most difficult things in life according to his will. In closing... I asked my wife what she thought of this subject and she gave me a list of things it didn't take her very long If I can find it Here we go She was in the kitchen cooking and I thought she was cooking but she was cooking and writing her thoughts And she and she says you have to explain what this does for you and this is my wife she came and said, here, so this is what she said. It's knowing you can come boldly to the throne of grace, favor, and mercy. It's knowing your placement at the right hand of your father gives you confidence. It, it changes your perspective to one of victory, not defeat. It takes away fear and walks in freedom and rests in it. It causes you to sense his approval. It destroys and takes away the whole concept of trying to be worthy. It causes me to know I have an inheritance. If a son, then an heir. It embraces the assignment and causes me to fulfill it on earth. And it gives me direction and purpose for everyday living. Hallelujah. It's a privilege to be birthed into sonship. We are not just Christians, folks we have been placed into sonship and joint heirs with Jesus that gives us the right and the authority to walk in what he said we could say and do and be joined with him in everything that we do. May God bless you. May the Lord reveal unto you in your heart the depth of his love for you that brought you into a joint participation with him. May he bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you that you may rise in Jesus' name and walk in your sonship. God bless you.